is the 24th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Julia Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Town Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. For those folks outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student. And if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys, who are now household names, which just still kind of chills me to the bone a little bit because I, I didn't see that coming. Uh, and admittedly, the founder of the group refers to me as a blue-haired spinster, which I'd like to correct. I'm a naturally blonde divorcee, thank you very much, and proud cat lady, so you can call me cat lady. I just go, yes, and? That is an accurate description. So when people accurately describe me, it doesn't really bother me. So anyway, uh, last week I posted a video that did very well on Twitter, and I got about 500 new followers on Twitter and a lot of new subscribers to my Substack channel and this podcast, so I would just like to welcome any new subscribers. Uh, I try to keep this serious and try to keep the clips moving. I can be a little goofy at times. I tend to make fun of some of the Fox hosts. I impersonate their voices sometimes. As a brief sampling, I do a mean Judge Pirro. I think I do. Judge Janine. Judge Janine! And she gets angry and she throws pens. So that's, she does throw pens. I kind of love her because she is funny and when you have to watch this crap all week long, you look forward to those little moments where you can sort of sort of giggle at a 71-year-old lady who looks like she's 45 throwing pens at people. So anyway, I mean, she looks 45 with an asterisk. Let's be honest. So last week, we're just going to get straight into the headline and then start the podcast. Here we go. Fox News. The Department of Justice is investigating Trump. Let's celebrate Police Brutality Week, a condensed overview of 20 hours of Fox News for the week ending July 31st, 2022. A typical Fox viewer might not even know the Department of Justice started an investigation into Donald J. Trump. They might also not realize most of the United States grappled with record-breaking heat waves while patches of the Midwest and South experienced extreme flash flooding due to excessive rainfall. A Fox News viewer might also be worried that every major city was overrun with violent criminals due to policies pushed by George Soros and his cavalcade of woke district attorneys. Anyone consuming Fox News last week would also miss out on stories that affect our national security, public health, and the state of the world economy. And that's basically last week. So I the reason why I said 20 hours during the headline is because last week I was covering the first hour of Fox and Friends, The Five, and The Ingram Angle. And after the news on Tuesday that the Department of Justice was, in fact, investigating Donald J. Trump, I decided to throw Hannity into the mix. So I went backwards, grabbed Hannity from Monday, Tuesday night, and just caught up and also followed Hannity. So it was, it was extra work, but it was worth it. And the reason why I went after Hannity is, if you know Hannity at all, for over a year, he has pushed a theory that, and you may have heard this from your Fox-loving uncle or neighbor, co-worker, parent, 
Hopefully not spouse, because that would be rough. If you're not into Fox and you've got a spouse that's into Fox, bless you. That's not easy. So here is the theory that Hannity promotes. He promotes the idea that Trump had a secret meeting on January 4th with some of his top advisors. And they got together and they said, oh, things are going to get a little crazy on January 6th. I'm going to need additional National Guard troops at the Capitol. The original number that Trump used was 10,000. Somewhere along the way with this conspiracy theory, it got changed to 20,000. I'm not sure when. I've tried to figure that out and I can't, but I found early versions of this theory where it says 10,000 and later versions that say 20,000. And there's never been an acknowledgement by Hannity that that number changed, although it did. It clearly did. So Trump claims that uh, he was usurped, stopped, blocked by Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the mayor, Mariel Bowser of Washington, D.C., that somehow these two women uh, got together and said, you know, that's going to look bad for optics to have National Guard at your rally. We don't want it. And we're going to block you. Now, there's no evidence for this. The only evidence is the testimony that was just on Hannity's show of various people who were supposedly at this meeting. And they, uh, Cash Patel was one of them. Christopher Miller was one of them. General Milley, who's not actually said anything on a Hannity show, was supposedly one of them. And they got together and they said, yeah, we need these extra um, National Guard troops. And that, again, these two women who are both Democrats somehow blocked it. Now, there are numerous sources that have debunked this crazy theory. I included a hyperlink in the newsletter. You can, I'll just tell you now if you don't want to go to the newsletter. It's factcheck.org, which is a nonpartisan, like completely dedicated to uh, debunking conspiracy theories and debunking misinformation, disinformation. They don't receive any ad money. It's 100% nonprofit. Very nerdy. I love factcheck.org. They have a 10-page article about this crazy theory, and they debunk every single element of it. I might turn it into a podcast. It depends on how rocky this week goes with the news. <laughs> if we get another doozy week, like if something crazy happens, I may not be able to get to it. But if it's smooth sailing, I might be able to get to it. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and play this first clip. This is the tweet that got me a bunch of new followers on Twitter. New subscribers on Substack. Again, thank you and welcome to the Decoding Fox News universe, which is me and two cats. So again, to explain this very briefly, the first half is a condensed version of Hannity explaining his theory from two weeks ago. And the second half of this clip is Christopher Miller in sworn testimony to the January 6th committee. And he directly contradicts what Hannity just said. And this just came out. This clip came out last Tuesday, and I pounced on it like everybody else did. But I think I'm the only weirdo who stuck these two clips together and turned them into one tweet. Um, most of the other people that cover Fox were just doing, like, two separate clips, and I stuck them together. And I had to kind of shave things down to get them to fit in the two-minute, 20-second time limit on Twitter. So here's the clip. We have confirmed that there was a meeting that took place in the Oval Office just days before January 6th, where the president requested up to 20,000 National Guard troops be made available for security at the Capitol on uh, January uh, 6th, as the law requires. Hannity claimed Chris Miller was at that meeting. Here is his testimony. It's going to be clear here that it, it, since then, in February of 2021, Mark Meadows 
said on Fox News, Fox News that, quote, even in January, that was a given. As many as 10,000 National Guard troops were told to be on the ready by the Secretary of Defense. Is there any accuracy to that statement? I'm not, not from my perspective. I was never given any direction or order or do of any plans of, of that nature. So I, I was surprised by uh, seeing that publicly. But I don't know the context or even where it was. No, there was no, we obviously had plans for activating more folks, uh, but that was not anything more than contingency planning. There was no official message traffic or anything of that nature. Regarding. Just so we're, we're clear, you did not have 10,000 troops, quote, to be on the ready for, for January 6th, prior to January 6th. Uh, a non-military person probably could have some sort of weird interpretation, but no, to answer your question, no, that was not uh, part of my plan or the Department of Defense's plan. And just that the rest of his statement was, quote, that was a direct order from President Trump, and yet here is what we see, all kinds of blame going around, but not a whole lot of accountability. And to be, to be crystal clear, there was no direct order from President Trump to put 10,000 troops to be on the ready for January 6th, correct? No. Yeah, you're, that's correct. There was no direct, there was no order from the president. Okay, I think that's pretty clear. There was no order from the president. And he, again, Christopher Miller, this, this meeting that Hannity has talked about for over a year, Christopher Miller was supposed to be at this meeting. So he just said, no, this didn't happen. I don't know anything about it. This didn't happen. I don't know anything about that. Repeatedly. He just said it. Under oath. So that was a big deal. And I honestly, I guess, naively thought that Hannity would try to spin this which is why I covered him last week. I added him. I thought, what is he going to do? How is he going to spin this crazy story that he's been pushing for over a year? And did you notice how in that clip, the interviewer kept saying 10,000? Just like I said, that number changed at some point from 10,000 to 20,000, and nobody's ever explained it. The seed of where this theory started was at some point months after the insurrection, Trump was in an interview in, in the UK, and he told a British journalist some crazy story about, I ordered 10,000 National Guard troops and I got blocked. That's where it started. And then the rest of the theory got fleshed out over time. And the number changed to 20,000. So there's no truth to this. It's just a complete crazy story. And again, I thought Hannity was going to come up with something, spin it, try to justify. He, he just ignored it. Just completely ignored this. Um... The only mention on Fox and Friends of this huge development in the January 6th investigation and the Department of Justice and the fact that a, you know, former president might actually be criminally indicted, Fox basically just ignored it. So on Fox and Friends, they reduced it down to a 30-second story in a section called Headline News, which usually like a car crash or some sort of disaster maybe a sports story, it'll be a 30-second story, and they usually do three, sometimes four of them right in a row, and they have like a couple of these segments in the first hour. Um, and for this one, it was, they, they wedged this huge, huge story about Trump being investigated by the Department of Justice in between a story about a slow-moving police chase 
and how TikTok is evil and don't use it because they're going to take all your private information. That was it. So it was, just, it was that like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, the Department of Justice is investigating Trump. Next, on to the weather. I mean, it was that like nothing. Um, the five didn't mention it. Uh, they did talk about Hunter Biden, however. So the way the five kind of dealt with it is they talked about how unfair it was that the Department of Justice wasn't investigating Hunter Biden, which is kind of also how Hannity talked about it. So they didn't directly talk about like, they did, but they didn't. They didn't make it into this whole like, this is wrong, Trump will be avenged. It was like, this is just unfair. We have two uh, versions of justice here. And they just made it all, they really made it about Hunter Biden. And it was like, Trump was like, an, oh yeah, by the way, they're also investigating Trump. But, you know, pff, nothing will come of that. What about Hunter Biden? And they try to like flip the script a little bit. Now, Laura Ingram did have a long extended monologue about this. And I reduced it down to about a minute and a half. And that's our next clip. So basically what I do is I take one of these long monologues that she does and I just kind of condense it to the essence. So you don't have to sit through, you know, 12 minutes of a rant because they're usually pretty long. The hunting of Donald Trump. That's the I'll choreograph to drive the news cycle and to throw some red meat. There's no way he actually believes that what President Trump was conspiring to overthrow the government. That is 100 percent ludicrous. It's unsupported by testimony offered at the January 6th Star Chamber. Congress. Garland's no better than the average, I don't know, prosecutor working for Vladimir Putin. This investigation of Trump is a complete farce. Any More political persecution. Not it's obvious to anyone who's honest with himself that our government has been plotting to destroy Donald Trump since the day he announced he was running for president. They think Trump should be charged for violence committed on January 6th. The conspiracy blather is not even worth responding to. It's inane. So why don't these nincompoop pundits just come out and say the truth? Maybe we should ask Hunter Biden. So there's a lot to unpack with that little clip that is of a much longer monologue. The main premise is that Trump is somehow a victim, which they have pushed from day one. He's this outsider. They all want to stop him because he can affect real change. So everyone, he's the most persecuted man on the planet, which is an odd way to shape someone who's supposed to be heroic leader, that he's also this, you know, put upon persecuted victim. It's odd, but that's exactly how they, they uh, frame him. That's how they package him, sort of. And... And this, there's no evidence that would lead to anyone believe. I mean, there's been thousands, like, like a thousand witnesses. We, we've seen hour upon hour upon hour of testimony. And the one thing we do know, after multiple witnesses testified to this, is that the day on January 6th, the person that called for the National Guard to put an end to the riot was Vice President Mike Pence. Donald J. Trump was sitting in the private dining room next to the Oval Office watching this all on Fox News, who was very much broadcasting it, who very much showed it, and was as panicked as any other news source of what was going on at the Capitol. They were talking to Kevin McCarthy live on air as Kevin McCarthy is like, you know, hunkered down somewhere deep within the Capitol building, hiding. And Trump was sitting in his dining room doing absolutely nothing, even though everyone around him kept begging him to call off the riot. So... I think this is an extension. The fact that they ignored this Department of Justice situation is an extension of what I predicted a couple weeks ago, 
when I said after day eight of the January 6th committee, I called it a tonal shift. I said, it feels like they're steering the ship away from Trump. And like the next day, I think, or maybe two days later, the New York Post, which is also owned by Rupert Murdoch, came out with an editorial saying, we're done. We're done with Trump. And then the Wall Street Journal soon after that also came out with an editorial that basically said the same thing. And that paper is also owned by Rupert Murdoch. Those are papers I will never be working at, thanks to this gig. Ha 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 ha. I'm joking, but I'm not joking. <laughs> no Rupert Murdoch publication is going to hire me after this, but that's okay. I honestly don't think they would have hired me anyway. <laughs> I used to make uh, political uh, satire, which, trust me, was not right-wing. And um, I have this crazy history uh, working against a right-wing hate group. So, I, yeah, I don't think I'm the perfect candidate for a right-leaning publication. So the major pivot in the broadcasting last week came with this one clip. There was a short clip, maybe a minute and a half. It was very short. And it was of a fight between a 16-year-old and an NYPD transit officer. That's basically a cop that works the subways in New York. And for some reason, there's a, there's a bit of discrepancy of how this fight started, and I'll get into that. But the 16-year-old thought it was a good idea to get in a physical fight with a cop. Like, that's never going to end well. But that's what happened. And this is, again, a child, a 16-year-old. And the, the fight was pretty nasty. They, like, run into a gate at one point, And they're both punching. They're throwing punches. And the cop is physically bigger than the kid. And ultimately, the cop subdues the, the kid. And there's no weapons. There's no blood. It looks like a nasty fight, but it doesn't look like there's any serious injuries. But, of course, because it's cell phone footage and it's a, it's a kid beating up a cop, Fox just jumps on this like it's red meat. They ended up showing this clip. I went through all 20 hours. I did this at the end of the week because I noticed it was just, they were using this clip way too much. And I thought, this is ridiculous how much focus they're giving this because this shouldn't be this big of a story. It's a local news story in New York. Why are they spending so much time on this? So I went back through all 20 hours and I just scanned the footage. There's a way to do this somewhat quickly, looking for that clip. I added it up. And it was a total of 25 minutes of just this image of the cell phone footage, not the stories of just the image of the cell phone sto uh, story, a total of 25 minutes on the screen at some point of a, during a story about this incident. So Fox took the angle of, oh my God, this is cash free bail. This kid got out and he's roaming the streets, beating up more people. Well, in New York state, when you're a minor, they don't usually throw you in jail. They usually let you go and you, you might get sent to a facility for minors. In this case, the kid was let go with no bail. He did have priors, but because he's 16, they didn't put him in jail. Then there was a statement by the mayor where he was criticizing the bail laws. And there is a lot of debate over the bail laws in New York state of how effective they are and if they're causing more problems than they're helping. Um, I'm not really going to get into that, but there is a debate on that. And that's fine to show the mayor talking about it is, is legitimate. But the, the fact that it was 25 minutes of this cell phone footage over the course of a week is insane. Because this is not a major story. Nobody was really hurt. Nobody was killed, certainly. And it was a 16-year-old, a minor, it was a kid who was just being a stupid kid. Um, so the... Local news had a different take on it, and apparently what they reported on was that this was a couple, it was a 16-year-old and his girlfriend, and they were fighting. 
in the subway station, the cops came over and were like, what's going on? Could you, you know, because they were scaring people. People were worried the 16-year-old kid was going to hurt his girlfriend. So the cops go over there to question him. According to witnesses, the cop shoved the kid. The kid, you know, responded by, like, punching the officer, which, again, is stupid. Um, and it resulted in the video that we saw. And the Fox tried to say it was for fair evasion, but apparently that wasn't the case. They weren't trying to jump the fair. They were just in a fight and the kid didn't have impulse control and he had anger management problems and he was probably will end up in some type of juvenile facility for his actions on that day. Now this, this next clip is from two different shows, two different days, a day apart. We go Jesse Waters from The Five and then Hannity from his show the next day. And they're both discussing the cell phone footage that I just described. And they both advocate for something that's incredibly disturbing. I'll play the clip. You'll hear them say it. So you got to be thinking to yourself, if the cameras weren't there and he was allowed to use these skills, this probably would have been over because the cop looks like he has about 50 pounds on the guy. And where is the taser? The police officer's uh, partner should have used a taser. I don't know where she was there. I was watching this cop really closely. Leo, I sensed he was holding back. The kid was wailing on him. He's trying to restrain him. He's not fighting, engaging in a fight, because God forbid he beats the crap out of the kid who's wailing on him. Then he's going to be the one uh, on trial uh, for assaulting an innocent citizen. So there's no real way to sugarcoat what we just listened to. That is Jesse Waters and Sean Hannity both advocating for police brutality. They're both saying that it would be perfectly okay, the cop would be better off if he wasn't being filmed because then he might be able to use an illegal move or excessive force or even a taser, even though this kid was unarmed, to subdue a teenager rather than have to un unfortunately endure this struggle, this scuffle. Now, I would say that anyone would, would think that cameras are a good thing because it makes it far more transparent of what's going on in this situation for both the cop and the kid. Now it's very clear. We don't see what happened before this scuffle started. Who knows? There are witnesses. We don't know what happened there. I, none of us as a viewer of Fox News could see that. But a judge with witnesses and this footage and testimony could figure out, sort through what happened here and a jury possibly, depending on how this case ends up. The kid will probably plead out. And because he's a kid, he'll probably end up in a age appropriate facility which, you know, hopefully he'll get the help he needs. Probably won't, sadly. But hopefully he'll end up on a straighter path because of this. We, we don't want to condemn children for acting out of control because it's kind of the nature of children to do stuff like this. So anyway, this next clip is also in reaction to this clip because they couldn't stop showing this stupid clip, this cell phone clip that, again, shouldn't have even been on national news. It should have been a local story uh, reported on and then quickly forgotten rather than let's dedicate 25 minutes to airing a minute and a half of footage. So this next one is um, Curtis Swilla, who was the founder of the um, Guardian Angels, which is kind of a vigilante group here in New York City. He was also a candidate for mayor. And what he says is almost comical. Uh, and I'll just play the clip. On the old school way is every police officer in every municipality had a nightstick. And when the cop pulled his nightstick out of the utility belt, you knew, halt, cease and desist. Cops back then, if, if you did 
to this cop what this young thug did, he'd get away with shampoo, an attitudinal readjustment. He'd hit him in the kneecaps, and this guy would never have been able to escape. Old school ways keep the thugs at bay. It worked before. It'll work again, Sean. So I call that clip kind of almost comical because what time is he talking about? In the 70s and, and in the 80s when his group formed, crime was out of control. So I guess those nightsticks didn't really cut down on crime. Cops could be using them all over the place, cracking skulls all over the place, but crime was actually much higher than it is now. So I'm not sure about these old school ways being the appropriate way to deal with situations like this because they certainly didn't cut down on crime. So, okay, like he didn't think that through at all. Like, yeah, in the old time, we used to crack some skulls with nightsticks. Yeah, and you had runaway crime. So what's your point? Okay, this next one is from The Five. It's Greg Gutfeld. I'll give him some leeway. And then I think he thought this might have been funny. His attempt at humor didn't land like it was a joke. It landed like it was a dead 400-pound lead balloon. Just thud. And a very pregnant pause after he said it. And the panel just looked uncomfortable. It's a similar theme, which is why I included it in the newsletter and podcast. Still say... Take the criminals when they get released, put an ankle bracelet on them, drop them off within like a, a, a like a radius, a short radius of the, of these leftist homes. And, and they, the beepers go off whenever they leave that neighborhood. They have to stay in the neighborhood where these idiots make these rules. Maybe they'll live. Maybe they'll learn the consequences of their own realities. I like that idea. Do you? Just dumping criminals. Yes. In politicians' find backyards. Out where Al, find Alvin Bragg's street. Don't put it in front of his house, but then just drop the people that have been released in New York in his duel with Gascon. Oh. Yeah, some people on Twitter tried to say that that was satire. Did you hear the laughter in the studio? I, I didn't. Not only did I not hear any laughter, but if you could see this clip, everybody just looked like, what did you just say, Greg Gutfeld? What did you just say? That's what it actually looked like. It looked like four people who were incredibly uncomfortable. And Jesse Waters tried to break the tension there with, yeah, that's a great idea. He said it like that, just like, oh my God, what did you just say? Because what, all the elected leaders live in the same neighborhood and like, would you just dump criminals on the street? Would you put them in a halfway house? What would you just, roam criminals, roam! Like they're cattle or something, I, I just, there's a lot of things that are wrong with that clip. This next one is, um, I just found this funny because Fox is trying to couch itself as this you know, champion of populism and the common man and, you know, working class people, not the elite. Oh, God, no, not the elite. And yet they say things like this on air. They say this directly into a camera with no sense that it's absolutely insulting to working class people. This is Charles Payne of Fox Business on an appearance on Hannity. And let me ask you, Charles Payne, you're a lot smarter on the economy than I am. I contend that corporations don't pay taxes because when their tax bill goes up, they pass it right on to we the people, the consumer. Am I right or is Joe Manchin right? They pass on as much as they can pass on, and if they can't pass it on, they start firing people. And if they can, once they, if that's not enough, they stop research and development. If that's not enough, listen, these are for-profit businesses. And by the way, you know they're used to ups and downs. They know that the cycle changes. If they have to go into a, a, some sort of a foxhole and wait out a couple of years until a more business-friendly administration gets in, they'll do that. But the average person is going to pay the price once again. Our country will pay a heavy price. No, they really just said that. They didn't say that corporations should pay low taxes. 
They both just said the corporation should pay no taxes. And guess what that means? That wage earners, like most of the people listening to this podcast, and myself, would have to foot the bill for the entire expense for our country. And that corporations that earn, in some cases, billions of dollars a year should not pay a dime, even though they use our infrastructure, our roads, our educated populace, our court system, all the things that cost a lot of money. We should never tax our great corporate overlords, including multinational and foreign companies that do business in the United States. Oh no, God forbid. Even though there's not a single global economy on this planet that does not have some form of taxation. Go anywhere. It, the tax, corporate taxes are usually higher in most countries other than the United States. So this is absolute nonsense. Like, because again, they didn't say lower taxes, they said no taxes. Even Ronald Reagan would be like, are you crazy? He would wake up from his grave and go, are you nuts? And then he'd apply his blush. I'm old, I remember Reagan. It's a lot of hair and makeup going on with that look. A lot of hair and makeup. A lot of, lot of uh, prep, a lot of prep time went into making Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan. He wasn't like the orange man. They didn't just spray him down. They made him actually look good, but they usually didn't blend the blush enough. Anyway, next clip is my favorite category. I have yet to record my accordion. It's coming, guys. It's coming. Next podcast, the accordion will be part of it. I ran out of time again. I always run out of time. This is a very time-consuming endeavor doing Decoding Fox News. But the next one is my favorite, which is bogus expert and that's where i do my goofy minnesota accent i'm from the midwest so i'm kind of making fun of myself here so nobody better get offended and be like oh my god that woman on decoding fox news is making fun of people from the midwest well i've had plenty of meals out of a crock pot so don't even get me started covered with potato chip toppings okay with cans of soup in them casseroles so don't even get me started from st louis which is sort of the south sort of the midwest it's a weird hybrid anyway Bogus expert. And okay, bogus expert is a section I do where I point out an expert who's not really an expert. And this next one's a very short clip, but it's Laura Trump who's won this award many, many times before because her job expertise is she was a producer for a tabloid television channel at some point. And other than making propaganda, she did. She made a whole bunch of propaganda films on YouTube for her father-in-law. She has no real work experience, but yet they call her on for everything. And in this one, uh, they are talking, they did a story about um, Randy Weingarten, who's the president of the teachers union. And they had Laura, Laura Trump come on as their expert, which was a bit of a stretch. Her kids are two and four years old, and I'm pretty certain they're not in public school. Or wokeness in the oh classroom. Gosh. Mother of two, Laura Trump reacts coming up next. Okay across America. Uh, you just talked about the donations. That is year to date. $12 million to Democrat causes 75 to Republicans. I guess maybe they bought a sandwich or something for the $75. But this... Okay, that took me a couple times to edit that clip before I caught what she was saying. Maybe they bought a sandwich or something for $75. They used that $75 to buy a sandwich. I mean, okay. Laura Trump thinks a sandwich costs $75, basically, is what we learned right there. What she did in that clip is she basically just read stats off about the teachers union and teachers that I'm sure she was given 
by an assistant or somebody at Fox News? Because, like, why would the daughter-in-law of the former president have any expertise in teachers' unions or education? You know, an appropriate guest would be someone who had been in a teachers' union, a disgruntled former member of a teachers' union, a teachers' union leader, someone who was critical of teachers' unions, an academic who was an expert in like labor unions and the educational system. There's plenty of people you could have invited on that would have been more appropriate for that clip. But, you know, Laura Trump, because why not? When in doubt, just, you know, as much as they're turning away from Trump, they still use Laura quite a bit. And I don't know why. So, because um, she's like, they've used her as an expert. They used her as an expert to give an example of how ridiculous it gets with Laura Trump. They had her come on when uh, Biden fell off his bike to be an expert on how he fell off his bike because Laura Trump is like a amateur triathlete. I am dead serious. They did that. They had her come on because she rides bikes and she could give her analysis of how he fell off the bike. I can't. I'm okay. So a next new segment is called stories Fox News thought were newsworthy that are not newsworthy. Um, And very quickly, so I don't go too long with this podcast, um, the record-breaking lottery jackpot that they spent an inordinate amount of time on that, which, I mean, I guess that's kind of fun, but really, like, like, again, the former president got investigated by the Department of Justice, and we're talking about lottery jackpots. Alec Baldwin, who's really not that big in the news right now, but Fox Nation just produced one of their cheap, terribly produced... um, documentaries about the actor so they're trying to promote that so they were trying to find excuses to report on alec baldwin and then the congressional baseball game which was 21 minutes worth of airtime i wanted to scream like nobody i mean they give money to charity that's cute but it's who cares like there's real stories in the world and we're talking about the congressional baseball game i mean the congressional baseball game should have been like a two-minute story that's it and 21 minutes is excessive and insane okay so Stories Fox News, uh, no, next one is Stories Fox News Ignored. Now, this is a long list. These are stories that were featured on PBS that Fox did not mention at all. And again, PBS was five hours. This week, Fox was 20 hours. And this is, I'm just going to go through this list. This is how much a typical Fox News viewer is missing out on from watching the propaganda machine that they are glued to. Here we go. First off, a series of heat waves across the United States, in addition to flash flooding in the Midwest. Now, this was mentioned on Fox, but it was reduced to very short segments on Fox and Friends in the weather section. Um, Scientists studied uh, the glaciers in Antarctica and how much they're melting, which is at an alarming rate. That was a story on PBS. Mamar executed pro-democracy activists, a bunch of high-profile pro-democracy advocates in that country were murdered by the government which is run by a military coup it's a very bad situation in Myanmar, and something that we should be paying attention to the world health organization declared the spread of monkeypox a global health emergency the disease is not fatal but it's pretty nasty and it's spreading very quickly the u.s settles with poultry producers over illegal labor practices that was a very big case that took years and um, got a lot of press The Pope visited Canada on an apologist tour for abuse indigenous children suffered for decades under the Catholic uh, boarding schools. 
There's a whole policy in Canada that was an absolute disaster. Virginity tests are still going on in Mongolia, even though they've been banned. They had a story about that. Russia plans to pull out of the International Space Station after 2024, which is a big major story that was not covered on Fox News. The EU decided to ration natural gas after Russia started messing with their pipeline, cutting off supply to increase the price and to put pressure on the EU. And the EU basically doubled down and said, screw you, Russia. Alex Jones trial. You'd think they'd be reporting on this because that's there's a lot of stuff going on with the Alex Jones trial. Totally, completely ignored it. Now, this, this next topic, they ignore all the time. There are two uh, police officers involved with the George Floyd murder who are not the um, main officer who killed George Floyd. They just received sentences in federal court. One got three years, another one got three and a half years. There's also a congressional hearing on guns that was not covered on Fox. A statue of Amelia Earhart was just added to the U.S. Capitol as part of the National Statuary Hall representing the state of Kansas, not mentioned on Fox. Uh, there was a rededication to the Korean War Memorial. Uh, the list of names of the fallen were added along with some other statues. It's very nice. You'd think that as pro-veteran and pro-rah-rah uh, USA, Foxes, they would have mentioned it. They did not. Another one that is just appalling that they did not mention, the PACT Act, blocked by Republicans. You probably see Jon Stewart uh, yelling and screaming about this. This was a bill that was supposed to help veterans who were injured by toxic chemicals going all the way back to the 70s. Um, it was supposed to help them get health care, help them pay for... Um, all kinds of medical problems. And this did pass, but then there was some sort of weird thing that went on with the Republicans. And then they, they, they have since blocked the bill and they're blaming Democrats and it's a bunch of nonsense. Fox did not mention it, of course. And then the last story that was very big in other media is that oil and gas companies uh, recorded record breaking profits because of course they are publicly traded companies and they have to release this information for their shareholders. And for all this talk that they were not price gouging and that they were only following market trends, it appears that they made money hand over fist and Fox News did not talk about it. You'd think as a populist network that they try to present themselves as fighting for the common man that they would have, I don't know, mentioned the fact that oil and gas companies had made record-breaking profits. They did not. Now this next section, if you're new to the newsletter, and or podcast is I make charts of the top five categories covered by both Fox News and PBS. And at, they're usually completely different. And again, this past week, they were completely different. And you can look at that on the, they're more visual than they are audio. So it's better just go to the newsletter if you want to see how that panned out. And then I do a thing where I make, I turn the entire Fox uh, media that I watched into one giant transcript. And I search for words to see what's trending, what came up. Heatwave was not mentioned once, and I triple-checked that. Again, the by-the-numbers words is more of a uh, visual than it is an audio situation, but it's always interesting because they always mention AOC, uh, that's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for no reason. They tend to always mention Hillary for no reason. They'll find a way to shove them into stories. It's kind of hilarious. So next week, or this week, actually, I'm going to be going back to Hannity because I do want to see if he responds to this Department of Justice situation with Trump. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I might have another podcast this week. It depends how things go. This is a micro-budget uh, endeavor. I am paid through a foundation that's attached to my university. 
Um, so if you'd like to help out the project, I have a Patreon. I also have a tips situation on the Twitter account. I'm also on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. My Facebook's really weird because I get the weirdest comments on Facebook. Like absolutely insane people comment on Facebook. And I, I, just, I, I, I don't post as much because the comments are very bizarre. They get very angry with me on Facebook. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, thanks for listening. It's about 40 minutes this time. And if I don't do another podcast, I'll be back next week. Thanks a lot.